still trickling in. Okay, ladies and gents, welcome. Uh, we're going to get started. This is Joan Warner. She's the CEO of Commercial Radio Australia. Uh, she's been here for, for a little while talking to us about uh, the wonderful work the organization is doing. We need one in South Africa, just by the way. So <laughs> if you have a, a connection or two here. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we did. We need a oh, new one. Okay. So uh, Joan is going to speak to us about the wonderful work they're doing in Australia. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of information to get through, so I'll probably go quite quickly. I'm hoping the audiovisual will work. I've got a couple of bits of um, couple of examples of the brand campaign we're running, and a couple of viral videos that we've put out to promote various things that we're doing. Um, it's nice to be here. This is my fourth presentation uh, in two days, so uh, my voice is getting a bit scratchy. And um, hopefully, I'll see some of the ladies tomorrow at the Women in Media breakfast at 7:30. Um, well, it is an exciting time to be in radio. Audio is undergoing a global renaissance, and with the advent of Google Home, Amazon Echo, Apple HomePod, and all the music streaming services, we're seeing a much bigger focus on audio than we did for many, many years, when video and uh, Netflix and all sorts of things were t seemed to be taking over the world. But as we know, radio is the original audio activation. For over 100 years, radio broadcasters have used the voice to activate listeners, to communicate the latest news, entertainment, music, and very importantly, certainly in Australia, emergency warnings. Yet radio continues to be the most accessible and widely consumed medium, continuing to grow and influence an impact on billions of people around the world. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres said recently in the lead-up to the World Radio Day, in an era of dramatic advances in communications, radio retains its power to entertain, educate, inform and inspire. It can unite and empower communities and give voice to the marginalised. I think the sad thing is for radio, and it, it often happens to many people working in radio, um, the influence and reach is often forgotten where there's a constant talk of some new shiny technology, one that's going to take us on a road we've never been down before. Radio broadcasters must remember the unique influence and power that comes with that influence that they have. The live and local nature of radio enables it to inform, entertain and connect very closely with your local communities. Now let me very quickly tell you what Commercial Radio Australia is, or CRA as we're known as. We're the national industry body representing all commercial radio stations across Australia. So that's AM, FM, DAB+, Metropolitan and Regional. We do not represent communities. Uh, we do work with communities. We do not represent the public service broadcasters. We do work closely with the public service broadcasters. Part of our strength is that we represent commercial radio. And on some issues where perhaps we don't see eye to eye with the communities in terms of regulation and funding, uh, or where we do not see eye to eye with the public broadcaster, we can actually go in and fight very hard for our own position, whether it's legislative or a copyright position or something else. Uh, CRA is a membership body. We've got 34 owners of commercial radio stations in Australia, ranging from one station uh, to uh, a number higher than 80 for one of our biggest networks. Now, we've got family-owned stations, we've got privately-owned stations, and we've got publicly-listed stations, and they're all members of CRA. Just like uh, South Africa, we have three tiers of radio. We have commercial, the largest sector, the public broadcasters, the second largest sector, and the very, in, in Australia, very tiny, there's lots of them. There are 389 community stations in Australia, 
more than there are commercial licences, um, but they have a very small share of the listing and they're very targeted at what they do. We've got a population of 24 million in Australia, but we have a very, very large land mass to cover. So we're the voice for commercial radio and sometimes for the public broadcasters on a number of issues such as digital radio, radio ratings, legislative issues, copyright, legislation and negotiating agreements, uh, trends and changes in programming and listening habits, standards and consumer research. We also provide education and training and compliance and regulatory advice to commercial radio stations as well as to advertising agencies if they ask us for it in terms of what they can and can't say in their ads on commercial radio. Uh, we promote the industry as an effective medium for advertisers. So while you once had an RAB here, we've never had a separate radio marketing. Uh, body. It's all done by Commercial Radio Australia. Now, the reason that works is because our, broadca our commercial broadcasters are probably very mean and they say, why would we pay for two organisations when we can get one organisation to do everything for us? So that's what we're doing all of the time. We're marketing, we're, we're doing regulatory stuff, we're doing negotiations around copyright. Now, it all works because our broadcasters support us uh, financially. They pay membership fees. Um, but they are still of the view, because our TV, uh, TV colleagues have just split their representative body into a marketing and a legislative body. Now, the TV operators are now starting to say, oh, do we really want to pay for two bodies? Why are we paying for two bodies when we used to pay for one? Um, and you s I've seen that around the world too in some places where there have been separate marketing bodies for radio and then they've been pulled back into the main representative body. If it can work, it's a much more cost-effective way of doing it. Uh, but it does mean that we are juggling a lot of balls in the air for our members. So we have a lot of KPIs, which is succeeded everything that you do. Uh, so what does radio look like in 2018 in Australia? Well, we enjoyed a strong year in terms of audience in calendar year 2017. 81% of all radio listening is to commercial radio in Australia. <coughs> You'll have to excuse my voice, I'm very sorry. Uh, but audience and reach is increasing. And our main day parts, just as here I'm sure, are breakfast and increasingly drive. A few years ago, drive was not that important a day part in Australia, uh, but in the past few years, we're seeing a lot of promotion money. We promote our shows very actively and very aggressively, and we promote our uh, stars. They think of themselves as stars, so we promote our stars very actively. used to be the breakfast teams that got most of the attention and the love. Now we're seeing the drive teams getting a lot of promotional money put behind them. Radio is also remaining relevant to younger audiences, with 79% of the 18 to 24 age group tuning in to commercial radio, which is a four-year high for us, so we're very happy about that, and points, we think, to a positive outlook for the future. And it also shows what marketing and promotion and being on all platforms and reaching out on all platforms to all age groups does when you do it properly. People are listening to radio via multiple platforms, but as everywhere else, broadcast radio is still the preeminent means of consuming radio. For commercial radio, revenue growth is paramount. Uh, as the last presenter said, if you, don't, if you don't know what your salespeople are doing, and if you don't have sales, then you don't have a radio station, and you won't get the chance to produce great content. Uh, in addition to audience growth, we've also recorded revenue growth. We've only had, since the global financial crisis back in 
eight. Uh, we've only had one year where our revenue has declined, and that was by 0.21%. Every other year since then, we've had revenue growth as an industry. I mean, some networks are doing better than others, of course, uh, but as an industry, we're pretty buoyant. Total ra radio revenue for both metro and regional in calendar year 2017 was 1.15 billion. Now, as I said, radio does extend across multiple platforms, but artificial intelligence is here and we need to be a part of it. As I've said, radio is the expert at audio. Our core business is creating audio content and distributing it and repurposing it to use across multi-platforms. Everybody has to be multi-skilled in radio today. They really do. You can't have little silos of people doing one little thing in one little area. Many of our big networks, I said yesterday when I was doing this, um, <clears throat> have started to collapse their digital sales team in with their regular sales team. Why? Because they're selling across platform. They're starting to make their content directors, as we call them in Australia, or program directors, as they're called in other parts of the world. Uh, they encourage them now to be promoting and creating and curating content across platforms, not just in one area, because that's where our content is going. We're multi-purposing, we're expanding, we're reaching out. So new audio players in the market, such as Amazon and Google, are not necessarily audio content creators, but they are seeking out relationships with leaders in the audio content field, which is where radio could be in a position of strength. For example, in Australia, CRA is spearheading an industry-wide approach to connecting Australian radio in smart speakers using our All of Industry app, which I'll show you in the next, uh, on the next slide, to give listeners a smooth experience with radio through these devices. Now, the experience in Australia through the devices we currently have, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, uh, Apple HomePod, and Sonos is not the smooth experience we'd like it to be. So, while the artificial intelligence you know, devices or the home devices are a new way of getting young people perhaps familiar with our brands or familiar with radio, or just continuing our ubiquitous, uh, the ubiquitous nature of radio, if people go to Amazon Alexa or Google and say, Google Play Me uh, hits Radio Sydney, and they don't get that, then, and they try another couple of times and they don't get it, they'll give up on those devices with radio and we've lost our chance. Now, because we as an industry have, have come together, they've all got their own apps, but we've come together and we've done an industry app which includes the public broadcasters as well as all commercial and all DAB+. That's one point of contact for these device manufacturers in Australia. We now have a very close rela working relationship with the three, even, even with Apple, which is difficult to attain, particularly when you're outside of the USA. And we're working with them to provide all the streams through radio app. We are also doing the work to make sure the links work. We're doing the work to make sure that the devices um, respond in the way that they should when a radio station is asked for. It's very uh, time-consuming work. But Amazon, Google and Sonos, which is a big uh, speaker company in Australia, I don't know if they're big over here, uh, Sonos used to use TuneIn as, as the default radio app. They're now in Australia switching to radio app. 
and we can make sure that that experience from once we announce that they're in those devices, that someone can go to that device and ask for their local station, <coughs> even if it's a small station in outback Australia, and they'll get that station. They won't get, for example, we've got a, a music network called Nova, and at the moment, if you go to one of these devices and ask for Nova, you'll often get Nova in New York or Nova in Nova Scotia or not the Nova in Sydney that the person is asking for. So you can see why. And I said this morning in that discussion, radio broadcasters have to be aware of this and as a group, take control. You haven't got those devices here yet, but you will have soon. You should be thinking about strategy now, about how you're going to approach the local arm of the company and say, hey, we can make this super easy for you and it will have all the local, um, well, if you can, if you've got a, uh, an all of industry app, um, all the local uh, South African stations. Because TuneIn certainly, and we pointed this out to all these device manufacturers, does not have half the Australian radio industry on it, more than half actually, who have cut their, their links to TuneIn. So, we're trying to fix that for Australia, but it can be done in any, uh, any uh, jurisdiction of the world. You've just got to be really proactive and really, really annoying with these device manufacturers and knock on their door all the time and write to their CEOs until they tell somebody to come and talk to you. Now, there's no doubt that traditional media must seek out and use every new way to connect with their audience and keep our radio brand. That's, what we're, that's why we're doing this work with artificial... Um, intelligent devices in the home to keep our radio brands top of mind everywhere. So consumers have never had it so good. They've got more choice of what to watch, read or listen to. But one thing radio does well, or we have been doing well <laughs> until now in Australia, is to keep ahead of the pack. And the way we've done that is invested in the best talent that we can. We produce great content, or we try to. We invest in future-proofing and diversifying broadcast platforms such as DAB+. We have a strong belief in DAB+. Plus, we have created social media presences that, where last year in Australia, one of the highest Facebook engagement score was to a radio station duo. So we've created big sort of social media platforms for our brands and for our star brands, because our stars are brands on their own. And now, of course, we're all investing in podcasting, aren't we? Nobody really knows what's going to happen with podcasting, but wow, we're all there and, uh, you know, we'll be at the forefront of it if it becomes the bigger deal that everybody thinks it will. Now, one of the key investment areas, as I said, is DAB+. We've rolled out permanently to our five biggest metro areas. We're rolling out to th our three biggest regional areas and then we are going to move on to our smaller regional areas. In our view, radio like TV must be in the digital space. And I don't mean just online, because we all know online has problems as well with robustness and reliability. Which is why we're continuing our rollout to regional areas. We, we've always been of the view, which is why we decided to go DAB+, that radio can't continue to be stuck in an analogue backwater. Handcuff, handcuffed to a past where you have one or two frequencies, so you can offer one or two things. With DAB+, our broadcasters can now diversify. They have a chance 
to target, they have a chance to expand, they can offer, yes, their regular services on DAB Plus at better quality, particularly the AMers, but they can also offer up to two or three additional stations. Some of our stations have done brand extensions, some have targeted niche audiences. They're now starting to work out how they can make money out of what one of our big networks is calling a secret superpower, and that is digital broadcast radio. All free to air, let's not forget about that. So in our capital cities now, we've got four million people listening, not online, but via a DAB Plus device. Um, and we reach 64% of the population. When we roll out the next probably 10 areas, we'll be over 80%. We've got more than 1.5 million vehicles with DAB Plus. New vehicles fitted with DAB Plus accounted for 81.67. I don't know why we've got 0.67 in there, but 81.67% of all car sales in quarter one 18. Now that sounds like a big number, but you know, we're a relatively small country. So we worked as an industry with retailers and manufacturers and promoted digital radio to listeners each gift-giving period using our own airwaves to promote our own technology. Supplemented at times by our... We've, we've never done TV advertising because we simply can't afford it. Uh, but we supplement it by, of course, online, social and outdoor. All, the ads are played across all metro or wherever DAB Plus is available. Now it will be in some regional areas. Uh, AM, FM and DAB Plus uh, stations. And nobody is exempt. I'll play you one of our Mother's Day ads, which we were trying to, we were working with the retailers to try and get people to go out and, and one, to be aware of DAB Plus, but to go out and buy more devices. Oh, hang on. That didn't work. Here you go. Here's how to get a brand new digital radio for Mother's oh, Day. Simply take your old kitchen radio and... Oh. Drop a... Subtle hint. Did you see that? Yep. They'll have no choice but to replace it with a new digital radio. With more than 20 extra stations playing all the music we love. And selected Sony models come with a bonus pair of Bluetooth noise-cancelling headphones. Worth around $200 free. A smashing offer. Available at selected retailers. Conditions apply. Uh, so that was just one. We have a series of them that, um, that run across for a period of three to six weeks in the lead-up to Mother's Day. Um... Moving on to radio app, that's another area where we have continued to collaborate and work together and we think innovate. And the reason we did it, everyone has their own apps, but uh, first of all, it gave us a, a reason to knock on the door of the AI devices. It was a great reason. Hey, we're representing all of radio, including the public broadcasters. We can give you an easy touch point and we'll do all the work, all the work for you, which they love. Uh, but we also have this... Uh, I guess this policy that we want to support easy access to radio on whatever platform, wherever, and that's part of the industry body's role to find ways of doing that. So we still want radio as it was in the past to be wherever, whenever. We want it to retain its mobility and its ubiquity. So while, a so while broadcast radio, AM, FM, DAB+, of course, is still the most efficient way to distribute and to listen to radio, we recognise there are times when a broadcast signal's not available, there's no broadcast device, um, old people are out in an area where they don't want to have a, you know, in the old days, the boombox, all that stuff, they want to listen on their mobile phone, they want to listen on a tablet. So that is why we, we uh, developed the app and have been marketing it pretty aggressively. Um, 
with the public service broadcasters as sort of our access all areas strategy for radio. So it's a very easy to use app. I invite you all to download it if you like. It's simply called Radio App. Um, that has over 300 live and local Australian radio stations on it. So every single Australian commercial station, DAB Plus station and public service station is on it. We haven't put the community on it yet because we actually haven't worked out a way to be able to list their extra 384 in there. Because our app menu, we also want it to look um, like any, every other app, not be overcrowded. So let me just play you the little viral launch video we did when we launched it. Okay, that's Radio App. Um, but radio is more than just music. Now, we've had, we had a very, very, very uh, confrontational copyright case with our friends in the record industry about 18 months ago. It went on for two or three years. Uh, and they tried to say in our tribunal, in our copyright tribunal, without, without us, radio would be dead. Radio is nothing without music. Well, that's not true. Certainly not true in Australia. Radio is more... Radio, yes, some formats, music is integral to what they do. But even in, in our big FM... Uh, mus in our, on our big FM music stations now in their breakfast show, they play very little music. There's a lot more... I wouldn't call it talk. It's a different sort of talk. It's a lot of community interaction. There's a lot of celebrity gossip. There's a lot of light-hearted discussion of, the la of last night's Love Island or whatever is, you know, the show of Married at First Sight, whatever the show is that everyone's talking about or tweeting about. Um, so radio in Australia is much more than music. Music is key to the music stations and the music networks, but they don't play nearly as much music as they used to in Breakfast or in drive, because it's much more about the stars, it's much more about the personality. And of course, some of our AM, who love digital, love DAB+, because they're on AM, some of our top stations in our main cities are the talk stations. So, in fact, number one in most of, four out of the five cities is an AM talk station. Which is interesting, isn't it? Um, they have the highest share. We could, could get back to Nick's discussion of share and cume. Um, sometimes they don't have the highest cume. But what we found in all our formats is that radio is more than music. In fact, these days, it's radio personalities that attract fans, both on and off air. And their social media presence is a critical part of a station's brand and brand development. So listeners can now stay connected, can interact and can engage with their favourite station, their favourite... Uh, personality, their favourite show, if there's something happening on a show, through social media, long after the show ends. Once upon a time, you could only interact with the, the guys on the morning show or on the breakfast show, you know, between six and nine, when the show was on. That's generally when Australian um, breakfast ends at nine. Now, you can interact and engage all day. So we see that as turning our listeners into long-term and uh, more closely connecting and closely engaging fans of our brand. 
So there has been significant individual uh, investment by all our broadcasters in evolving radio stations into broader entertainment brands. And that involves offering audiences on-air, social and digital content, and in some cases, customised experience. Now, advertisers love that because they can interact with our audiences across platforms as well. We have to be careful of that, of course, you can't overwhelm them with ads online, as we were talking about earlier today. But as I say, radio presenters are our big stars. And when we did a survey of um, agencies, we said to them, what's the most valuable commodity that radio has to offer? And they said, well, it's your reach, it's your engagement, but it's the fact that you've got some of the biggest stars in media. They go across media now, not just cross-platform, but they, they often big radio stars in Australia become TV stars, very rarely vice versa. Um, and they can set the agenda. They can set the agenda for a brand. Sometimes it's not so good if we, one of our more um, out-there FM personalities goes off the rails. We've had a few uh, incidents where uh, advertisers have walked away from that show. Not from the station, but from that show. So, that, so advertisers are very aware of what's going on in radio. But we do leverage their appeal in many, many ways. So networks also create events such as the Nova Red Room, SCA Rooftop Concerts and ARN's iHeartRadio Live events. They're all good examples of the importance of brand and brand integration with everything you do and development. So just on brand, we do an industry brand. You can see our brand campaign at the moment is called Radio Alive. I don't know if you've noticed that on some of the slides. We change it up every couple of years and we underpin it with research. But we've been doing a brand campaign since 2003 where we have tried to be interesting, entertaining for our listeners, but with the other stakeholders that are listening to radio, the agencies and big direct clients, we want them to know and see how we use the power and reach of radio in an entertaining way to show just what we can do. We've now run about 15 brand campaigns, and as I say, they're all based on independent research. We don't just pluck a figure out of the air and go, oh, let's do a campaign on that. We, and our lawyers check every bit of research that we put out there. So I know Nick said earlier about a couple of the slides, oh, you know, I don't know how reliable that is. Well, our lawyers won't let us put anything into the market that, can't, that won't be backed up by the independent researcher and that can't be validated. So we're very careful about that because as soon as you put out some good stats about radio, TV and online and everyone else puts their hand up and says, oh, that can't possibly be true. So we now, of course, say to our independent researchers, well, we do expect you to come out publicly and back up that stat, and they always do. So this Radio Alive brand consi uh, consists of a brand identity, radio advertising that airs across all metropolitan and regional commercial radio stations. Sometimes SBS, the, one of the uh, public broadcasters, can take advertising, so they will sometimes run these brand ads as well because it's good for them. Uh, print ads, online banners, trade marketing, station and media agency presentations. So we go out and tell our stations about our brand campaign because sometimes the message doesn't get down to sales, so they don't know what are we pushing, you know, for the next few, few weeks. I'll just play you one of the current brand ads, if it'll work. This is the current Radio Alive campaign. These ads are changing in a few weeks. There's Kyle, M, Jonesy, Smallsy, the other Jonesy, Jackie O, Whipper, MG. You know, radio has more one-woman and one-man brands than almost any other media. Imagine what it could do for your brand. 
Now, you wouldn't have known any of those names, but they're some of the biggest names on Australian radio. So our point there to the advertiser is, look at all our one-word brands. We've got more than any other medium, and they can enhance your brand. Their brands are so strong that they can support and expand your brand and your brand influence. Um, we have, we build our, uh, currently building our industry strategy on promoting the industry on four pillars. Uh, and those pillars are engagement, insights, measurement and innovation. We all know the importance of understanding our audience and we've got the benefit of being an industry that's very, very data-rich. We're moving forward with an audience measurement enhancement uh, and we do at least two major independent research reports every year which we then take out to market. That's all on behalf of the industry, paid for by the industry because they pay their membership fees. Um, now, one of our main studies is the share of ear study, the share of audio study, I'm sorry, and that's been conducted for three years in a row now, and it shows radio's dominance of the audio space. So the share of audio study measures time spent with particular, part, particular types of audio, and our findings have shown that despite the entry of global players such as Spotify and Apple Music, they haven't dented our dominance of the audio landscape. Now that's down to a lot of hard work. The second Australian share of audio study, 2017, which measures listening to all forms of audio, including radio-owned music collections, streaming services, podcasts, online music videos, found Australians spend 65.3% of the time they spend with audio they spend 65.3% of that time with live and local Australian radio. That's a pretty good statistic. Um, another major research project is the Edison Research Infinite Dial Study, which actually looks at awareness and penetration of audio platforms and devices. And it looks at, the it looks at uh, radio, it looks at digital audio, social media, mobile and podcast. So Infinite Dial is the first part, each year we do these two studies, then we do other stuff as well. Infinite Dial is awareness and penetration. We follow that up in the second half of the year, it's in market now. Share of audio is time spent. And then we go out to agencies and do roadshows around all the major agencies and major clients with these results. The Infinite Dial key findings have shown a rise in radio consumption across multiple platforms in the marketplace, with 88% of people having listened to an AM, FM, DAB plus local Australian radio station, either free to air or online, in the week before they were contacted. Three times as many people identified as doing that than the second highest audio platform. So these two key pieces of research, which you can look at in depth if you want to, on the um, and, and the prior year's research, uh, as well as the American research, I think, is on our website as well. But it allows our members to take these results to advertisers before they make a pitch for their own station. They make a pitch for radio and prove that radio is still the dominant audio. Now, the other critical area is audience measurement. Measurement of digital platforms is now under the spotlight. We have a very big audience measurement program. I won't go into it in too much depth. GFK provides it in the five metros and three major regionals. We have other, another provider in the smaller regional areas. We survey eight times a year in the major markets. Um, we have 70% personal placement of diaries and 30% online diaries. Uh, we last year extended GFK's contract on the proviso that they provided a multi-million dollar measurement innovation program 
And what they're doing is having a look at a hybrid measurement track. We expect to be announcing something in the next few months about what we'll be doing in 2019. What they're looking at is how we can not throw diaries out. Diaries will still form the backbone. There's no doubt about that. They're the most valid form of radio audience measurement. We know that. It's, it, it, it's the gold standard. However, we have to keep modernising this measurement. So we're seeing how we can bring in streaming numbers. How do we release that data? Even from radio app, we've got 250,000 downloads at the moment, um, and we've just added compulsory sign-in to that. So we're having to get a panel of about 50,000 in the right age demographics so that we can do some sort of uh, reporting on streams to Australian radio, not just Google Analytics or uh, the, Nielsen, the Nielsen on uh, ratings, which in Australia are going down in popularity at the moment because of problems that they're having. So we actually survey 70,000 people a year, and we go back for the paper diary, we, don't, we only go back once in five years to the same area. For the online, we go back a year and a half later, because online panels, I don't know if you've come across this yourselves, but there's a high level of burnout in online panels and a high level of exhaustion, because lots of people are on lots of panels, and so, but not a lot of people are on a lot of panels. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's harder to get people to do the diaries online. So we're hoping to make some great announcements in the next few months. GFK also, as part of their contract, undertakes various insights for us. They have a 5,000 set panel, and we ask them to explore not who's listening, which is what the main survey methodology does, but why are they listening? And, you know, what, what else are they doing while they're listening? And there's some good key insights. There's a lot of those reports up on our website as well. They come out quarterly. Another big thing that the industry is doing is automated holdings. We're automating the buying process for radio. The moment we've got to the automated holdings stage, after one year, we have 80 agencies involved, three or four big direct clients, and uh, all of our radio stations are involved with that. So we've got 260 commercial radio stations. And that's, we've actually just gone paperless for bookings, which is a massive thing. The agencies were pushing for us for that for a year, and finally we said, OK, we'll go paperless. Our next phase is we're going to do an electronics booking module, then we'll do our direct clients module, and by this time next year, we will be ready to start testing programmatic trading, full programmatic trading, testing it, friends and family tests, because we're not just going to leap into something and go, yeah, this is great for us. We want to control the inventory that's traded programmatically. We want to test out how different types of inventory can be traded. And that includes all, DAB+, um, streaming, any of our social media stuff. So we're being very ambitious, but the programmatic tests for the whole industry, we're doing this as an industry, everyone is involved, will uh, not start until the second half of next year. Okay, we do a lot of other stuff. I haven't got time really to go through it, but we do um, radio awards, we do a big conference every year, we do the Siren Awards, which we started doing because agencies were not taking radio creative seriously enough, they were just running the TV. Um, soundtrack. So we decided to go and talk to the creative agencies about that, to the clients about how they would enhance their brand better if they had specifically t uh, developed radio ads for the audio space. Uh, so these awards are for um, in the main agencies and they're judged by the heads of creative agencies, not by radio, although I'm the chair of the committee. Uh, so we send them to Khan every year and the client who commissioned the winning ad 
um, also gets to go with them. So we do that to try and encourage clients to think about radio as well, if we'll send them to Cannes for that big festival. And so my final... I won't show you that, it's the video of our awards. Um, these are our three main websites. Commercialradio.com.au is our more corporate website where you can look up information about particular stations. All our press releases are on there and on our codes and all of that and rules for copyright and all that stuff. Digital Radio Plus is all about DAV Plus. ABC and SBS are also involved in that site. Um, and the Radiolive.com is where all of our research from the past few years plus anything you want to know about audience surveys, plus all the ads that we've done since 2003 to promote radio. Um, so with that, I think I'm right on time now. And thank you for listening so late in the afternoon. Thank you. Thanks, Joan. Um, we have a, a, literally time for one question. Um, so if anyone wants to ask anything. No? Oh, there we go. One in the back. Oh, hang on, let me bring you the mic. We need these for podcasting. Sorry, I forget. Thanks. Hi, John, it's me again. Um, uh, so, um, a visual radio, as the Americans like to call it, where uh, a station would stream, their, for example, their breakfast show live on either Facebook, uh, YouTube, or their own website, um, sometimes with multiple cameras, sometimes playing in music videos, etc., etc. Number, I've got three questions. Number one is, is that a thing in Australia that people consume or people are interested in? Well, not a lot of it's consumed in that way, but some of them make it available. You can stream some of the top shows live on Facebook and they announce that. Um, they also put a lot of stuff from their shows up on the website straight after the show, so any funny stunts and, you know, that video. If you can't want to come and see how this guy looked when we made him slip on a banana, you know, go to the website and have a look at it now. So all the funny things. So, you know, but, but the numbers of people consuming radio that way are minuscule. Is, is, it, an is it an avenue for advertisers for product placement? It, would, would that be significant as Oh, you mean visually? Visually for, for uh, your uh, uh, software network? We or? haven't used it like that. We haven't used it. And we've got a pretty strong code. We've got some very um, annoying radio code, which we love in case the regulator ever hears me say this. But they know we think they're annoying. But the advertising code, we're the only media that has this. Our ads must be distinguishable as ads to the listener. So if we were starting to do product placement in the videoing of the show, I think they'd come down on us like a ton of bricks. But, but we're working to get that changed so that we can do integrated advertising like everyone else. That's it. Thanks very much.